The Timeless Podcast Company present this podcast. In immersive sound design. In this final episode, we discover that Kane decides to pivot his attention to film and finds out he's got a surprise fan. It's all right here on the Did I Ever Tell You the One About Podcast? Did I Ever Tell You the One About Big Daddy Kane? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We received a call from Robert Townsend people saying that he wanted me to be in this new movie he was doing, Media Man. Media Man's in town. He's come to save the world, one neighborhood at a time. Robert Townsend, Marla Gibbs, Eddie Griffin, Robert Guillaume, James Earl Jones, Bill Cosby, and another bad creation. Special appearances by Luther Vandross, Sinbad, Naughty by Nature, Cypress Hill, and Big Daddy Kane. Meteor Man, directed by Robert Townsend. You know, I was excited about a wild movie. And as I'm getting there, it's like I'm sitting there like, wow, I'm going to be working with James Earl Jones, Marla Gibbs, like Marla Gibbs. This is Florence from the Jeffersons. And at the time, an unknown Don Cheadle. And this is part of the cast for this movie. I'm working with them and learning things about making movies and stuff like that and about acting. You know, I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. Robert Townsend, he always, you know, took his time to explain what he's looking for. You know, we, we had a great time. I remember uh, one particular day, I actually um, invited all the cast members up to my suite and cooked for everyone. Like, I must, yeah, I must have cooked for about, you know, maybe about 40 people, you know? You know, Don Cheadle, Roy Fagan, singing group ABC. You know, Another bad creation. Only thing I hated about it was that goddamn blonde dye in my ear. <laughs> yeah, that part we could have lived without. But I thank Robert Townsend for the experience. Because right after that, I ended up um, doing a rap scene in a movie called Gunman, which features Mario Van Peebles and Christopher Lambier. Say hello to the Batman coming from a bad land. Push up and take your last stand Because my Smith & Wesson teaches people a valuable lesson That I'm not needed, not the one you should be testing That is the Vigo, let's go! In a South American country An ex-cop is about to lead a team of mercenaries To take down a drug lord For these guys, there's only one way to settle the score Point blank Mario Van Peebles Christopher Lambert Dennis Leary Kadeem Hardison Big Daddy Kane 
Rakim. Eric B. Gunman. Mario came to me and said, think you did a great job and you're very professional. I'm working on this black western called Posse and there's a role that I had written for Wesley Snipes. He's a little out of the budget right now. I think you would be great. And I'm like, hey man, I would be honored. The red man ain't got no problem with the black man. Huh? As for you, white boy, <laughs> that's a whole different story. I mean, first you enslave the black man, exploit the yellow man, and then you kill off the red man so you can snatch his land from railroads and such. Can I get a witness? Amen. That was a complete different experience because, I mean, we we filmed Posse in Tucson, Arizona. So now, and it's a period piece. I'm supposed to be uh, a Western gambler that's from New Orleans. And, you know, I had to really get that Southern accent, that Deep South accent down, and then also ride horses. Big Daddy Kane's middle school friend, Drip. Oh, as far as when he started making movies, I was like, yeah, what the? Yeah, this dude is is an actor too? This is a cat I've known since seventh grade. So now you want you in Posse, you with Mario Van Peoples, you with you in a movie Media Man with Robert Townsend. That's different. You know, nobody from Brooklyn besides I think now and later Spike Lee, you had that, but at, this is 89, 90. This is a rapper. Like he's he's a rapper and he's an actor. You in Posse, you riding horses? So we don't do that in Brooklyn. We don't ride horses. How are you in a Western? And not for nothing, let's keep it a buck. My man did a good job. <laughs> yeah. I had to ride horses. And I mean, it's like, you know, I already done took a spill on a motorcycle, so I really wasn't looking forward to that. I mean, you know, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. Horse threw me about three, four times. Three, four times. One time, uh, fell into a cactus bush. Yeah, got up looking like Hellraiser. Nevertheless, we got the job done. Co-host of Video Music Box and the director of the majority of Big Daddy Kane's videos, Classic Concepts director Lionel Martin, a.k.a. The Vid Kid. Watching Kane transition into the films was, to me, very natural. I always saw that in him from day one, like with the uh, Vapors video. There's just something that he does that lights up the camera. And he's a natural. I like Posse a lot, because I thought that was him. That was like this cool character. And of course, it reminded me of the symphony. I told him, you know, we, we don't gas each other up because we talk truth. I said, dude, there's not many artists. There's your Will Smiths. There's your LL Cool J. Um, I think Light has done some stuff too, you know. But you've got to have something. You know what I mean? You've got to have something. And I think he has it. I just don't think Kane has had the opportunity yet to really shine in the film stuff that he's done. And it was fun. It was an experience. But it was a lot of fun, man. And then working with actors, you know, like Mario Van People, uh, Stephen Baldwin, Billy Zane, Tone Loke, Sally Richardson. You know, I mean, it was just a beautiful experience, you know. Host of Video Music Box and Classic Concepts producer Ralph McDaniels. And I remember he did Posse. And I went to the premiere and uh, and I was impressed, you know, and because Posse quite obviously is is a black cowboy. And I was like, okay, this is dope. You know, I did actually, I directed a video. That was the only video I directed that Lionel didn't direct for Kane in that, um, from that film, it was from the soundtrack. And that was kind of dope. You know, I thought it was, it was technically really well done. It was great acting. You know, it was Kane in, you know, in his element. Like sometimes you, you, you see a hip hop artist, you know, it may be LL or it may be Ice Cube or it might be Kane or Queen Latifah or whoever, 
Will Smith in it, you feel like they're kind of forced into that role. And sometimes, in the, especially when hip hop artists started doing films, it was a little tough for purists like me to see them doing that. In Posse, I felt like that fit Kane perfectly. And I, and I really enjoyed that. Other things that I experienced out there because Tucson, you know, that's where you see wildlife. I remember one day me and Big Zeus, Tiny Lister, Debo, you know. I remember one day we walk into a Mexican restaurant and we coming back, we walking like across this bridge, but the underpass, you know, was the highway and a truck went by and I guess the truck shook the bridge a lot. And man, I lie to you not, about 80 goddamn bats flew out like the beginning of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> about 80 bats just flew out. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not used to nothing like that, you know. And I mean, it could be like when you cross in the street and right there in the medium, you just see a cool ass scorpion just walking by. Like, you know, like, like this is my world. This is my house. I mean, you see that. I remember one day leaving set, like one of the, um, one of the wranglers was sitting there trying to warn us, like telling us to move, like move over to the right, move over to the right. But he's whispering like, you know, move right, move right. And I'm like, I, what, what? And he's like, he's saying what was wrong. But I, I, I couldn't hear him. Then finally, I'm just like, can't hear you, man. And my man said, Rattler. Yeah, I didn't even know I had it in me. I didn't even know I had it in me, for real. I didn't know I could move that fast, man. But yeah, I just hauled ass about it. But yeah, I mean, rattlesnakes, scorpions, bats. And then there was an incident that went on for, I want to say, about a good four days where someone's knocking on my door and running. And every time I go, I open the door, you know, nobody there. And it only happens one time in the early in the morning. I mean, the next night, what I did was I left the door unlocked and I slept on the couch. And when they knocked, I flew the door open. Goddamn woodpecker took off. That's it. I want to get back to New York. I want to get back to New York where wildlife is cats, rats, and dogs. <laughs> it was a hell of an experience, man. And I thank you, Mario Van Peebles, so much for giving me a chance, man. You know, it was beautiful. After that, getting back into the studio, at that point in time, there was a lot of, you know, disagreements with myself and Warner Brothers. And, you know, I, I just wasn't happy with um, some of the selections and the way things were going. And my focus was really, look, I only owed them two more albums. I only owed them two more albums. Let me do what I got to do to get the hell up out of here. So, I mean, you know, I, I went back in the studio, started working on, you know, the next project. But I wasn't really focused, focused on that. I was more focused on the acting thing. However, I didn't understand the difference between hip-hop and Hollywood. Because in hip-hop, I'm Big Daddy Kane. In Hollywood, I ain't no goddamn Robert De Niro. I ain't no Harrison Ford. It was like, you know, I, I didn't understand that. I'm getting offered roles. Like, I remember um, there was a movie. There was a movie with Nicolas Cage where he wins a lottery ticket and he splits it with the lady that works in a diner. And the role they offered me was his partner. Well, the lotto jackpot has grown to over $64 million. It all started with a lottery ticket. Nicholas Cage. It's like we're on two different channels now. It could happen to you. Reginald Vell Johnson, he, I believe he ended up taking the role, but that's the role that they offered me. It was like little roles like that were being offered to me, but I didn't understand it. Like, you know, you have to, you know, play the game. You know, you know, I, I, in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm Big Daddy Kane. I'm above this. You know, I didn't really quite understand how I work in Hollywood. You know, that made me miss a whole lot of opportunities as far as it goes with acting because, you know, certain roles that were given to me, I felt like wasn't the right role and I turned them down when I should have taken them and just got the screen 
time to be seen and, you know, acknowledged, you know, you know, for what I do. You know, I didn't. And at the same time, I'm working on this new album and trying to hurry up and get up out of this Warner Brothers deal. It's just, I don't know, I guess, you know, I wasn't really focused. Like, I would say not only with Prince of Darkness, also uh, Taste of Chocolate, you know, because, I mean, Taste of Chocolate, I've always called my autograph book, where I just went and got some of my favorites, my idols, and, and work with them instead of taking pictures with them. I work with them. So I wasn't really, really focused because I wanted to get out of this Warner Brothers contract. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, at that point in time, you know, um, you had a bunch of new artists coming in, Wu Tang. Hey, you, get up my crowd. You don't know me and you don't know my staff. Onyx. sound of music was changing and it was getting real, real grimy. And, you know, people, you know, were feeling like that my songs were a little too R&B. Big Daddy Kane's DJ, DJ Mr. C. What Kane did in 90 and 91, like records like The Lover and You, Sampling Prince, nobody was doing that at that time. Like I said, the only two people I could him and Hev. Nobody was doing that until Kane and Hev. But then it, it just blew out the water when Puff just put on the shiny suits. It just blew out the water. You know what I mean? So Puff being around that and then taking it and run with it two, three years, four years later is a reflection on Kane being before his time. Because the rhymes was always still there. The lyrics was always still there. People don't give Kane credit for that. He really set a tone for what hip-hop later became three to four years later, and then that era lasted for another four to five years. Let me just explain something to you about hip-hop. When you look back at what MCs were rhyming off of before they were records, cats that rhymed off of Bob James Mardi Gras, that's a jazz song.
or the monkeys, Mary Mary, that run DMC into the music. That's pop music. pop, all of that play a part in hip-hop. That's the understanding I have of it, and that's the way I grew up with it, and that's the way I, I express myself musically, plain and simple. But nevertheless, I mean, it's like giving the opportunity to do it again. I don't really think I changed much. If I did change anything, I would have just, you know, maybe got better production um, coming from those type of fusions, those type of hip-hop R&B or hip-hop um, jazz fusions, got better productions, but I wouldn't change anything because that's my understanding of hip-hop. And I've never had no one like a Grandmaster Flash or Cool Herc argue me on it. So I'm happy with the decisions that I made. And I mean, I think that these decisions are what made it possible for me to make music with people like Quincy Jones, Barry White, Patti LaBelle, and even have the opportunity to work with people like Madonna. Because uh, Warner Brothers at one time sent me on a promo tour. They sent me out on this promo tour to visit hospitals where children were in the children's ward. And it was me. Madonna and Color Me Bad. And these were like, you know, those, you know, you know, bougie hospitals where the rich kids went. So while we were visiting them, I noticed that a lot of them didn't really know who the hell I was. They knew who Madonna was. They knew who Color Me Bad was. A lot of these white kids didn't really know who I was. And Madonna said, hey, and that's Big Daddy Kane. He's a famous rapper. Can you say ain't no half step it? And I'm like, oh, Madonna know my shit. <laughs> I'm like really tripping on this, man. I'm, I'm like, Madonna know my music. Wow. So after we get through visiting them, we got to talking after it was outside and Madonna was like, hey, um, I'm working on a new book. It's going to be a photography book and I, I would like to have you in it. And I'm like, yo, it would be an honor. I'm like, thank you. I mean, it would really be an honor. And she was like, well, it's going to be pretty much nude photos. And I was like, well, shit, even better. That's when she decided she wanted me to be in her sex book. I wonder what my friends thought about me being in the book. If you know Kane, that ain't too far out of Kane's reach, you know what I mean? Kane, man, was the dude with the females, so that wasn't too far out of reach. I just think he stepped it up when he got Madonna. It's Kane, Naomi Campbell, who was a top model, and Madonna. All I could say was, like he said in his rap, yeah, Kane, that's all I could say. I looked at it like, this was like some black playboy shit, this is some dope shit to do. It was progressive, it was a good look because Madonna was it. You know, Madonna has always been it. And if you're gonna do it and you did it with her, I think that was the right place to do it. I actually bought a copy. I bought two copies because I'm a collector guy. So I bought one that I, I didn't open it at all. And then the other one, of course, I opened to look at the, uh, the images. I was not surprised at all because he's that guy. He takes chances and he's not afraid. I mean, you know, if you think about it, like some of the songs, he did a song with Barry White, a ballad. He did something with Blue Magic. I mean, those are some things that you would say are not safe, you know, for somebody of his stature. So he's not afraid to take chances, he's not afraid to be different. So I was not surprised at all. When I saw it, I thought it was dope. I thought it was gonna be successful and I thought it was gonna be received well. Sometimes when you try to do something outside the box that nobody else is doing, 
everybody else is looking at it like you bugging. But then again, when it catches on, then you, you're really not bugging as much as everybody was saying. You just did it a little bit too early. He just was before his time. I remember him coming to tell me that um, he was going to take some pictures with Madonna. That was just basically it at first. Like, oh, she wants me to take these pictures with her. You know, I'm thinking like for like a magazine or, you know. Then after he came back from taking the pictures, he's like, oh, she's the coolest in the world. Oh, she's crazy. Oh, I had so much fun. Oh, uh, I, I can't believe how this is going to look. This is going to look great after it's over. I'm like, so how did it go? He's like, oh, yeah, it was naked. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You don't just like say, all right, I took pictures with like the biggest superstar and sex symbol on the planet. You don't just go, oh, yeah, I took naked pictures with her. I'm like, you got, I need detail. I need details. What, what, who was there? What happened? What was going to do? Was there any touching? But it was like, give it all to me. I'm like full little brother right then. I'm like, give, give me every detail. <laughs> you just come in nonchalantly like, yeah, I just took naked pictures with Madonna. Um, so what are we going to eat for dinner <laughs> Like, no, that's not how we do this, man. We can't do it. We can't do it like that. I need every detail. You know, he ran it down to me, but I just thought it was insane at the time. Not only because, you know, he was everybody's rhyming hero, but I just didn't know he was that famous. The rest of that story, we'll save for later. The Did I Ever Tell You The One About podcast, Did I Ever Tell You The One About Big Daddy Kane, is a timeless podcast production. Executive produced by Chantel Barron and MC Search for 4MC Multimedia and the Timeless Podcast Company. Co-executive produced by Eric DJ Eclipse Wynn for Pay to Win Management. Co-produced by Antonio Hardy and Saquon Johnson. Story contributors were AB Money, Chris Rock, Cliff Love, Disco Richie, courtesy of Divine Sounds, DJ Mr. C, Drip, Grandmaster Kaz, Lionel the Big Kid Martin, Little Daddy Shane, Master Ace, Ralph McDaniel, Steve Brown, Vaughn Lee, professionally known as Cutmaster Cool V, appears courtesy of BP Entertainment, Hip Hop Hands Foundation, and DJCoolV.com. Lead sound designer, Brett Epic Mazer. Associate sound design, Patrick Garcia. Timeless podcast immersive sound design voiceover by Tembisa Mashaka. An additional voiceover by special guest Kim Osario. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.